their purpose. So when people need to get rid of statues, they do so at temples, in the hope that the temples will take care of them. Taipei's famous Longshan Temple gets tons of them all the time, and they've ended up with so many that they decided to donate some to the museum's collection. Finally, we have a cabinet of objects that each shows how one group shaping Taiwan views the other groups. We have Japanese colonial-era figurines that were once used in schools here to teach kids about the diverse peoples of the Japanese empire. Then there are hand puppets from the ethnic Chinese puppet tradition that show non-ethnic Chinese. And most interesting of all are carved wooden objects that represent Japanese soldiers and ethnic Chinese people made by indigenous artists. This section shows that we in Taiwan are a diverse bunch, with different origins and cultures, but we're united in this place we call home. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Now today my guest is Claire Lee, and she's uh, the partnership manager at Xinzu Jiekou um, Lioners. It's a basketball team, and um, basically Jiekou, this how should I say it? This app, this company, is a is the title sponsor. Okay, I'm learning a lot from um, Claire. I guess I'm going to learn a lot more from her later on. But let's meet Claire first. Hi, Claire. Hi, Shirley. Hello, everyone. I'm Claire. Yes. And by the way, Claire used to work here at RTI yes. uh, in the Chinese service. Um, and the uh, thing is that she's left many years now. And um, I'm so glad that she get to visit and come back and be on my show instead. It's very nostalgic. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Do you see any like big change? I, I actually, there's... Yeah? Um, actually, I think the lobby and uh, the layout still the same, how I remembered it. Yeah. Lots of new facilities. Yes. Um, some new faces yeah, and yeah. still old faces as well. <laughs> so it's still very familiar. It's nice to be kind of home. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Now, actually, Claire is from Taiwan, although um, at the age of 10, you actually uh, emigrated to Vancouver, Canada with your family. And you were there for how long were you there? Um, my family started in uh, 1997 when we landed in Calgary. Uh-huh. So this little cow town. And yeah. If people ever go, it's we're known for the stampede. Oh, yeah. the cows. Yeah, the cows. <laughs> um, and then um, I had um, I went to uh, post secondary in uh, UBC and New Vancouver. Uh-huh. So it's been I'd say 15 years. 15. You were there. I, I grew up in Canada. Yeah, in, in Canada for 15, 15 years. years. I see. And then and then you moved back to Taiwan. Well, actually, no, you went from there to... Uh, wait, you went from there to... <laughs> I already forgot what you said. <laughs> I basically spent half of my childhood in Taiwan mm. and then the other half in Canada. Mm. Um, I finished um, university and decided to do like a three-week backpack trip in Europe. Wow. Yeah, with two of my friends. Um, And then after that, my mom's like, you know, time to come home. I'm like, oh, really? (laughs) So I just packed up my bags and came home. Uh So I came back to Taiwan in 2010. Right. I mean, your dad was here the whole time while you were studying, you know, in the States. And your mom. Accompany mm. you and your younger sister. Yeah. 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 That's very typical Taiwanese family. Yeah. You know, when, um, you know, the parents want their, put their children in, you know, education abroad. 
Um, so, but then they don't want to. But then they want to keep their job or their company here in Taiwan. So then the mom and the dad go separate ways. You know,、yeah. the dad stays here, and then the mom. Usually, it's always the mom that goes with the kids to a totally new country and get you know get adjusted and get acquainted, and then put the kids there for education. Yeah, sometimes the kids end up growing up and just staying abroad. Right,、mm-hmm. but then others, you know, yeah, to come back with the parents. So I, I, I said, you know, Claire's a patriotic Taiwanese. <laughs> She came back. <laughs> well, it's actually a really interesting story because, like, my family have always asked me to come back to Taiwan during summertime when I was in school,、uh. um, and also I like was really into Chinese drama while I was there. So、oh. I never really felt disconnected. Uh, from Taiwan,、uh-huh. um, and then having the chance to come back every summer to spend the holidays with my family and my grandma,、um, it just kind of kept my a part of my roots in Taiwan.、Right. Um, and I've always knew that I gotta come back sometime, like even if it's not for work, but like for a long time to stay.、Um, so I think in the back of my mind, I've always had a subconscious plan to come back. Yeah.、Um, so it's 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 um it's an interesting interesting journey so far. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Actually, the first time you you know、um, came to RTI is because of a summer program which、that's、we、right. have every summer. Yeah.、Um, they call it a whole now. It's、yeah. more. Migratory bird program. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I still remember it because, like, I came across this program when I was、um, in university second year,、um, and the、um, they were advertising this program on the internet. My friend introduced it to me actually, and I thought, oh, okay. So it says that you get to spend the summer in Taiwan in an internship program,、mm-hmm. and then you would have like a two,、uh, one week orientation where they take you around Taiwan and right. "Quote unquote," play around in Taiwan, like it's like tour around Taiwan. Let you know、um, what's the history of Taiwan, what's local about Taiwan, and then you are able to choose different placements、mm. that you want、um, through in the list that they give you.、Right. And RTI was just on top of my list,、yeah. so I thought, okay, this is interesting. Field. I've never really been on radio.、Um, never really worked in radio. I wondered what what it is. So that's kind of how I came. So I spent a summer here.、Mm. Yeah. Right. And even though you had a major in psychology, yes, that's <laughs> you right. You were you were curious about you know broadcasting field. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, a lot of people when they hear about oh you majored in psychology, you know the first thing they ask is like can you read my mind? I'm like no 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 that's not psychology that's telepathy. <laughs> So、um, just to get that stereotype out there, it's not telepathy,、um, and also psychology. Kind of looking back, I think I'm just curious about the human mind,、yeah. how people think, and I've always really loved hearing stories about people、mm-hmm. um, and gathering stories. So, but I didn't realize that about myself before、uh-huh. I spent a summer internship in、um, RTI. Yeah,、um, and because my first task. In RTI was to actually develop a program to to really present for my mentor at the time,、uh-huh. um, and I was like, okay, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah. It's like, how long should the program be? They're like, yeah, it's, it's you free to, you. to choose.、Uh-huh. Yeah, up to you. What is it going to be about? Up to you. I'm <laughs> like, wow, that's that's a lot of space of freedom. Yeah. So. I think、um, I chose something that I was really passionate about. I did、um, like a feature on jazz music. Oh, yeah. 
So Wait, I, that's a totally different thing now, from psychology yeah. to broadcasting to jazz music. <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought, you know, I had this chance to just paint away. So yeah. I thought, okay, something that came to my mind, I love jazz. So I would love to take this time and put it into a project, like a collage of voices and history and stories about what I love about jazz. I mean, I'm no expert in jazz, but I just like listening to jazz. So mm. I'm like, okay, freedom, I'll do anything I want. So that's how I started. And I was like, oh, okay. I get to actually collect stories and how people look at jazz, what people think of jazz and how they played in the, in the history of jazz, the types of genres that actually evolve through the, the times of um, jazz history. Mm. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. I'm sure. And you're talking about like jazz in Taiwan, jazz music in Taiwan or all over. Oh, basically jazz in general. Oh, really? Yeah. So jazz in Taiwan, I had a bit of a small feature within that 45-minute program that I did for my first internship. Wow. Um, but That's it's actually long. really broad. Jazz yeah. is yeah. really broad. So I had to kind of kind of narrow it down a little bit. So it turned out to be a general in- introduction to jazz and different mm-hmm. genres and a snippets of um, how jazz is in Taiwan. Mm. So you got to interview some of the jazz musicians here in Taiwan? Um, Did you? I, no. no. Unfortunately not, because I was working with too much information. Mm. And I was like, okay, I don't even have time to interview <laughs> people. Um, yeah. But I think um, I had a chance to interview um, actually someone from the English program at the time. Oh, okay. um, and he actually did uh, a jazz program, uh-huh. a jazz music program. And he's very well versed in jazz music. Um, you mean fr- my colleague? Yeah, or forgive ex-colleague? me. Forgive oh. me. I forgot his name, but I still remember how his voice is just. I was mesmerized by his voice. I'm like, how can he be so like, so yeah. calming, but uh-huh. also like, so charismatic when he talk about jazz? Oh wow! Um, hmm. So he actually did a very very nice overview hmm. of jazz and how jazz festivals in Taiwan had evolved through time. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I think cool. he was the only interviewee uh-huh. on my show that Oh, wow. Time. Yeah. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Actually, your experience, you know, working as an intern here, a summer intern here, got you more interested in RTN. That's why you came back and worked full-time for, like, two years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that is cool. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so then after two years at RTI, see, you're always <laughs> changing. You're enough of broadcasting. I want to try something else. Yeah, I think for me, it's like I'm always out um, to look for more um, in terms of how much more can I go. I had the opportunity to, to experiment how I can collect stories through voice, uh-huh. through sound. And I thought, okay, if I can actually go out there um, and do more about stories, what would it be? So my next journey after that was actually working at TEDx Taipei. Oh, okay. Um, And I actually had no idea what that platform was Mm -hmm. at first. I was like, okay, what kind of idea is that you have all kinds of stories on this platform? Mm -hmm. Like even back then, I think it was 2014, Mm -hmm. 2014. It was still very new. Mm. Um, and the the word platform was still very new. N- nobody knew what platform was. Uh-huh. So it was a really new concept for me. But all I knew was, okay, so you have all these really interesting people, stories, all kind of mushed up in this platform. Mm-hmm. So 
um, I decided to okay, this would be my next journey where I want to see more and I wanted to meet more people and then do something about it.、Mm. Um, so that was my next journey. I spent four five years there. Yeah, yeah. You know, one amazing thing is that all these people to get on the stage and speak at TEDx. They don't make any mistakes. You know, my my impression is that they don't stutter at all. You know, they share so much information on, and it, you're just you're just glued to their story,、mm-hmm. right? Do they, you know, in preparation for going on stage, they really go through a lot of practice so that they don't stutter and make mistakes? That would be so scary for me. Actually, they do make mistakes, but they don't seem like they're making mistakes. <laughs> so one of the perks for me joining the team at the time was that I actually got to see how they do everything backstage,、mm. and、um, because like I. I had a background in in event planning when I was、oh, in school,、okay. so I joined the team doing events. Then later on, because I was so drawn to stories, and so、um, my boss then actually was so confident in me that he gave me、um, a role in working with speakers.、Mm-hmm. So one of my roles it was.、Um, I get to talk to speakers. I chat with them,、okay. and I I help them to pick out the、uh, main points and the、oh. things that might light a light bulb. Yeah,、um, that might be interesting, and then that can streamline through the whole talk in fifteen, eighteen minutes. Yeah, and then I work with them on. So here's a series of logics that you might have to go through,、um, and how do you capture the attention of people, and then. Having them make sense,、mm. um, and then the audience still won't be bored of、right. your talk. So I had the chance to work through、um, the entire thought process with、wow. various speakers. Oh, that is so cool, huh? So it takes people like you backstage, you know, in order for them to put such an amazing presentation on stage. Wow! Yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's it. not just me. Like, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. it's the whole team. Oh wow, that is always so exciting. You've really tried a lot of different things. What happened after TEDx?、Um, after TEDx,、um, I actually worked on several different projects, and it's all related to content and stories. And you one- mean for TEDx? Uh, no, I had、uh, freelance a few projects outside.、Uh-huh. Yeah, because we had a little bit of、um, downtime during、mm-hmm. then、um, because events is a little bit seasonal、yeah. throughout the year.、Um, so I actually one of my projects that I worked on during then was、um, a media platform that talked about current politics. Oh. And, um, you even touch on politics, okay? <laughs> I actually didn't know I was getting into that, but <laughs> I guess you have to get your foot into it first.、Uh-huh. Um, but it was a really interesting、um, platform that I worked on. It was a media platform where they invite different people from culture, from、um, entertainment, from even、um, public policy,、uh-huh. um, just to talk about public issues in、okay. Taiwan, not in a very serious manner, just、okay. something to reach out to the young. I'm thinking like Claire Lee's English is so good, and how come she didn't think about working for the English service? Oh well, Claire is definitely one of the few people I've interviewed who just can't stop at one thing. After a time, they have to change and do something else or move to a different country. If you can't wait to find out what Claire did next or what she's up to right now in her life, then you better tune in next week to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. <laughs>
classic shorts, poems, and stories from Chinese literature. Hello, I'm Natalie So. How would you like to converse with a close friend through poetry? Well, that's what famous Tang poet Wang Wei did with his friend and poet Pei Di. He wrote his sentiments in quatrain form. That's four lines of five Chinese characters each, while viewing different scenes near his home. And he sent them to his friend Pei Di, who responded in kind. That's how we got the famous Wang River Collection, otherwise known as Wang Chuan Collection. Let's see what these famous Tang poets had to say to each other. This is their poem, Scholar Tree Lane. Wang Wei writes, A side path, sheltered by scholar trees. Secluded, dark, with many green mosses. The gatekeepers focused on his sweeping, worried a mountain monk might come. Pady responds, The gate in front of Scholar Tree Lane faces straight towards E Lake Road. Come autumn's frequent mountain rains, there's none to sweep the fallen leaves. This one is entitled Lakeside Pavilion. Wang writes, My light boat greets an immortal guest. Coming leisurely over the lake, we face out windows with paired wine cups, while all around the lotuses bloom. Hay writes, We face out windows, broad waters swirl, the lone high moon circles like sleeves. The sounds of apes come from the valley, born on the wind, it enters the door.
this poem is called South Cottage. Wang writes, My light skiff departs South Cottage. North Cottage is hard to reach by water. I gaze at homes on the distant shore. So far we can't discern each other's. Pei responds by saying, My lone boat's truly at its mooring. On the lake bank by South Cottage, the setting sun goes down in Yangtze. Soft waves die out, spread on the waters. That poem seems to hint at the eventual departure of a friend. While this one, called E Lake, speaks about it more clearly. Playing flutes, we cross to the far shore. As the day ends, I see you off. Upon the lake, a turn of the head, white clouds are curling round green mountains. Pei writes, The sky is wide, lake waters broad, blue shimmers, heaven's colors the same. As I moor my boat one long howl, from all around the clear wind comes. Those are the famous picturesque poems of Wang Wei and Pei Di in their famous Wang Chuan collection. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. To News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Taiwan has not had a lot of rain these last few months, and even an area in western Taiwan that used to have an endless flow of spring water is almost dried up. What measures are some local governments going to take to relieve the drought? The Longchen Spring in Miaoli County hasn't dried up for years, but now less than 10 centimeters of water is left there. That's because Taiwan has faced a lack of rain for months. Residents in the area are scrambling to get the little water that's pumped up from the spring and fill containers to bring home. Reservoirs in Miaoli, Xinzhu, Taizong, and Tainan have all seen severe drops in water levels. The local governments of Miaoli and Taizong have decided that next week they will provide water for five days and then cut off water supply for two days. Taizong Mayor Lu Xiuyan says that further measures will depend on how bad drought conditions get. Shirley Lin, RTI News. 
Domestic travel is all the rage in Taiwan right now. But what happens if you have already seen all the sites? You might want to give the island another once-over, because attractions that disappeared long ago are making a comeback. To the untrained eye, this might look like a stray campfire, but it's actually sulfur steam coming from the earth, something that hasn't been witnessed at this spot in 17 years. This is Turtle Island, located in a seismic area just off the coast of Yilan in northeastern Taiwan. Locals say the phenomenon's disappearance may have something to do with wind and water erosion blocking volcanic vents. Tourists are excited about the attraction's return, but some fear it might mean there's volcanic activity a brewin. <laughs> Professor Zhang Zhenliang, who teaches history and geography at Taipei University, says there's nothing to worry about. He says that they are closely monitoring seismic activity and ground temperatures around Turtle Island, and so far, all indicators are normal. For now, the only thing that'll erupt during a visit to Turtle Island is a ripping good time. Leslie Liao, RTI News. March 15 is World Consumer Rights Day, and Taiwanese consumer groups are marking the occasion by highlighting the waste produced by takeout coffee cups. The government's Consumer Protection Committee is teaming up with the non-profit Consumers Foundation to call for change. Taiwan loves coffee. Taiwanese drink almost 3 billion cups of it a year. But Consumers Foundation Chairperson Huang Yitang says we need to use fewer disposable cups. He says if current usage continues, the amount of plastic in the ocean will triple by 2040. And by 2050, there'll be more plastic than fish in the sea. That'll have knock-on effects on the environment and people's health. The theme of this year's event is putting an end to plastic pollution. A number of convenience stores were in attendance. Organizers hope that the stores can offer more incentives to cut plastic use. Huang says participating chains will launch a special promotion within three months. He hopes that can be the spark for a longer-term shift in business and consumer attitudes. Consumer Protection Committee Chairperson Liu Qingfang says the government is also working with small businesses to reduce the amount of single-use plastics they use. On the bright side, statistics show that more than 90% of convenience stores already offer discounts for customers who bring their own reusable cups. With a little more effort on both sides, people can get their caffeine fix without Taiwan's oceans paying the price. Stash Butler, RTI News. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. Check out the radiant cherry blossoms blooming in Taiwan's scenic Alishan. It's cherry blossom season. Taiwan is home to over two dozen types of cherry blossoms. Many people are coming to one of the most scenic places of all to view them, Alishan. One visitor says a lot of people are taking photos of the nice cherry blossoms in this area. Another says the backdrop of green with a splash of pink is really beautiful. She also got to see the sunrise. Visitors can also enjoy the famous Alisan Railway, whether you want to hop on board for a ride or just take a photo of the classic rail cars that run amidst the lush forest. Indigenous dancers kicked off Alisan's cherry blossom season. Alisan tour guide Xiaoming Xue says the popular Yoshino cherry blossoms will be in full bloom at the end of March. 
The well-loved Yoshino cherry blossoms are from Japan, and Taiwan has over a dozen varieties of its own that will be blooming through April 10th. It's a great time to visit Alisan. Natalie So, RTI News. The Japan-Taiwan Exchange Association is holding an event to thank Taiwan for its assistance following the 2011 Fukushima earthquake, which killed more than 15,000 people. The event began on March 10 and will go all the way to March 21. Japanese representative to Taiwan, Izumi Hiroyasu, says his country will never forget how Taiwan extended a helping hand during Japan's darkest hour. Hiroyasu's remarks came during an event the Japanese representative office in Taiwan is holding in Taipei. The event thanks Taiwan for assisting Japan in the wake of the 2011 Tohoku earthquake, which claimed more than 15,000 lives. Hiroyasu says the event also seeks to foster better relations between the two countries. Taiwan's foreign minister Joseph Wu says that Japan and Taiwan have always shared a strong relationship. He says that when Japan faces difficulties, Taiwan is always there to show its support. When Taiwan is unfairly treated, Japan will do what it can to help. March 11th will mark a decade since the disastrous earthquake devastated northeastern Japan. A Taiwanese firefighter who was dispatched to Japan to help with relief efforts in 2011 shared his experiences. The event will shine a light on disaster prevention and Taiwan-Japan relations. It began on March 10th and will go until March 21st. The Japan office in Taiwan says it wants people to learn more about the disaster through art and culture. Furthermore, it also hopes Taiwan can feel Japan's undying gratitude. Leslie Liao, RTI News. A district health center is working with dementia-friendly stores so that persons with dementia can be interns for a day at the stores. That's to help slow down the conditions in people with dementia and to help the public better understand the symptoms. The Taipei District Health Center is cooperating with a dementia-friendly store to offer persons with dementia a chance to become interns at the store. It's not difficult for them to do simple things like sweeping the floor or watering the plants. Usually, they have challenges with short memory, but with the help of a sales clerk, they can even be the cashier. Working as an intern one day a week at the store can help slow down dementia. That's Mr. Liu. He has dementia. His caregiver says he likes working at the store. She says it keeps his spirit cheerful. The health ministry statistics show that 8% of those above the age of 65 in Taiwan suffer from dementia. That's at least 300,000 people with dementia, according to figures in February. Hopefully, more enterprises will be offering valuable opportunities for people with dementia so that they don't become detached from society. Shirley Lin, RTI News. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist. For Radio Taiwan International, I'm Paula Chow. Bye-bye.
listen. Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. After I did my first exhibition in Tianmen, those days all the collectors are entrepreneurs, CEO from you know, the international group. One of the collectors from Denmark loved my art so much, so she turned into my collector. So when she went back to Denmark, she opened up a gallery on my behalf. Hello and welcome to this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Even though Patrick Lee is a finance graduate from Taiwan's National Zhengzhi University, he has had passion for art and decided to become an artist. For more than two decades, Patrick Lee has exhibited works across different countries in the world. His use of silk screen painting techniques gives his work more richness and imagination. He's also become an internationally collected artist after his paintings were sold at his first gallery exhibition in Denmark in 2002. He was then invited to take part in the Venice Triennial and the Milan Expo 2015 International Contemporary Art Exhibition. And to find out more, we're joined today by Mr. Patrick Lee. First of all, what drove you to become an artist? Anyhow, I always uh, like art. I like to do drawing since I was a kid. And of course, when I was a kid, I don't have a pair of uh, sneakers. don't even have a pair of uh, sneakers. Therefore, I'm poor enough. Uh, that, so I have to draw on the dirt, on the ground, in the countryside. So, but I love art. So always, always. So therefore, never give up art in my lifetime, even though... I was not a major at college, but uh, I never give up doing art. I know that you are a finance graduate from National Zhengzhi University, but you have developed uh, your interest in art for quite a long time, since childhood. I always, you know, uh, make a joke about myself. I tell people, when people ask me, uh, which art school you graduate from? I say, I graduate from the art department of National Zhengzhi University. <laughs> but actually, there is no art department in, in the college. Uh-huh. How did you get your inspiration to become an artist, uh, Patrick Lee? Oh, actually, I never give up uh, doing painting, as I said before. And... Uh, I always, you know, so I found out, you know, when I do in painting, you know, the so people will come to witness. I doing a piece, I finish a piece. Even my mother-in-law, you know, so when she was uh, with us, she always encouraged me to do an exhibition. Therefore, finally, I did an exhibition at my own place called Club Seventy Five. In Tiamu, Club 75, that's 20-some years ago. 
And it was so successful, and people loved my work. Therefore, I kept doing that. So people start to call me master, call me artist, but eventually I'm not qualified for those uh, very honorable titles. Uh, okay. Uh, Club 75, uh, some uh, 20 years ago, I know that uh, your paintings were sold immediately after the first European gallery exhibition in Denmark back in yes. 2002. Can you tell yes. us more, Patrick? Eventually, so after I did my first exhibition in Tianmu in Club 75, um, those days all the collectors are entrepreneurs, those CEOs from, you know, the international uh, groups. And one of the collectors from Denmark, uh, she loved my art so much, so she turned into my collector. So when she went back to Denmark, she opened up a gallery on my behalf. So those paintings, you know, so, were, you know so when showing over there, and so it's Immediately, you know, the book up, and even people, you know, on a cruise ship uh, from, I believe, from Chicago, as I can remember, and they are ready to go out, go back to the cruise ship, and they immediately pull out their credit card and bought a big piece. So, and those painting, you know, the, that is so uh, uh so fascinating to those uh, uh, Danish diplomats or entrepreneurs because uh, they most of them they love Chinese uh, history and culture. Therefore, you know they saw out immediately. And first, of course, you started out uh, with Club Seventy Five here in Taipei Correct. some yeah. twenty years ago, and then your first uh, European gallery exhibition in two thousand and two. All the paintings were sold out immediately. Mm-hmm. Now, Patrick, what influences the choice of your images? Uh, eventually, uh, when I was a kid, I also learned calligraphy. Therefore, you know, so I myself also quite uh, fascinated by those uh, uh, beautiful Chinese calligraphy, calligraphy writing. Therefore, you know, so on the first few shows, uh, most of the work is related to calligraphy, but of course, also some figures was uh, added together to calligraphy, so make it quite interesting, quite fascinating. Therefore, people, you know, there seems to be accept them to put them, hang them in their living space. Uh, you use uh, silk screen painting techniques to give your art more imagination. Can you also talk about that, Patrick? Eventually, so my work uh, basically, you know, there's quite a bit of uh, silk, silk screen, but not actually, it's hundred percent silk screen. If you know the pure silk screen, is won't well, it will be too rigid. Therefore, you know the most of them are uh, a lot of uh, brush work was added to make it more vivid, more attractive, to more real to you know the viewers. You're listening to On The Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong, and today I'm speaking with an internationally collected artist from Taiwan, Mr. Patrick Lee. 
So brushwork is added uh, apart from the uh, silk screen painting techniques. Very correct. <laughs> and Patrick, for the last two decades, uh, your works have been on display across different countries in the world. You were invited to take part in the Venice Triennial and the Milan Expo 2015 International Contemporary Art Exhibition. Now, in the last two decades, what do you think is the most challenging part uh, uh, in your work as an artist? I, you know, it's, uh, it's got to be very sensitive to select the object, you know, that I want to do. And either that's a very pleasant to view it or very have, uh, you know, the very uh, uh, historical, you know, the affairs uh, significance to make people, you know, the, uh, to feel the same, you know, as I do it. Therefore, you know, the, it's not just, you know, the, do something very jerky, you know, the object, and that's I never do. Uh-huh. And what actually um, drove you to start up uh, Club 75 uh, some 20 years ago back in uh, Tianmu uh, in a, a part of Taipei? Anyhow, so basically, you know, so I got to make a living. Uh, <laughs> artists, you know, so always, you know, so the first name of artist is starving artist. Therefore, I think, you know, so I cannot live on art only. Therefore, I do a Club 75. And those days, it's become the most trendy uh, restaurant and life house of, uh, in, in, you know, the Taipei uh, entertainment scenario. So it is a uh, Club 75, in a way, is a pub and a restaurant, but also it serves as a gallery as well. Very, very correct. Uh-huh. And uh, Patrick, tell us about your two works, uh, Silk Road and Silver Road. Yeah, you know, the, you got me. Silk Road is a big piece of uh, painting, um, canvas painting. And uh, the image of Buddha or Bodhisattva, they, they filled the, the entire canvas. And the background of it is uh, silvery. Uh, quality. Therefore, you know, they make uh, the painting by fluid when you're standing in front of that, you know, the depends on different angle you look at that. It will change slightly. And that's a, that's a silk roll. But the other painting called Silver Planet. And eventually it's also a silvery background, and it's a planet, a pinkish black planet, uh, you know, the, in the center of the canvas, and, uh, you know, sitting on top of a uh, landscape that is a uh, 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 silver planet, yeah. Patrick, some of your words also focus on your road trips to the northeastern part mm-hmm. of Taiwan, including, for example, Yeliu Geopark. Mm-hmm. Can you tell mm-hmm. us about how these local sites are featured in your project? Eventually, so I love, you know, so as an artist, I not only love, but also I need to, you know, so go out and see a lot, right? So sightseeing is uh, one of the major part 
But uh, you know, so when I look at the uh, landscape, I only I try to get the beauty of that and uh, just to express my expression of the landscape. And it would never 100% uh, the same. I only pick up, you know, what I feel about it. So, so actually, it's not 100% uh, according to the thing I see. It's, you know, I've been, you know, so changed around, around, and only express my feeling about the, the landscape. How do you see the change in your work from the time some 20 years ago uh, during the time of uh, COP75 until the time now, Lily Art? Well, I think you know, so my art has become more sophisticated and more uh, fluid uh, as time goes by. Yeah, so that's uh, the, main, the main change, but it's more mature. Is there any change in your inspiration, how to uh, get the object for your um, uh, paintings? Well, eventually I have to pay quite, I have to study and I have to pay quite a bit of attention to history, to uh, current affairs. So as if uh, one day you got a chance to come to Lady USC, you know, so my work, there are a few pieces is contain quite a bit of a very, in, very, uh, very, you know, encouraging, you know, the people to look and to work for a better, work to a better tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about Lily Art. Lily Art is a restaurant and art. So we serve Chinese food and it's basically is the gallery and showing mainly my own stuff, my own paintings. Uh-huh. So it's uh, right by Taipei American School on Zhongshan North Road, Section 6. So it's a combination of uh, food and art. Yes. Uh, what correct. is your plan for your next project, Patrick? Oh, I have to be keep doing what I'm doing now and make it better. And hopefully, you know, that someday some of my work could be of uh, in the future, the next generation or the future generation of their uh, significance in history. So, are you satisfied uh, as you are now an internationally collected artist? I am very lucky. I'm really lucky. I appreciate that and uh, the God embraced me. And I don't think I deserve that, but it's happened. Mm-hmm. Right. And we've been joined uh, on the phone by a very modest artist, uh, Mr. Patrick Lee, who is also an internationally collected artist. And to view some of Patrick's works, please visit our website, en.rti.org.tw. And that wraps up this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. And then goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. 
Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.